say, well, today we're in week number four of a series called Lies That We Believe. Everybody say, Lies We Believe. And uh, what we're doing in this series, as if you've been coming for the last three weeks, you know what we're doing. But we are, we are addressing a few of the common lies that the devil, everybody say the devil. He is real. We do have an adversary, the Bible says. The devil who is looking to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rob you of your marriage. He wants to rob you of all the blessings that God has for you. And he tries to feed your mind with lies to get you off track so you won't follow God's purpose and that your life just falls apart and you have a miserable life. That's, that's the enemy's goal, to get you off track. So we've been looking at a few of these lies that he feeds us, and we are seeing what these common lies are and then learning how to combat them. And so over the course of the last few weeks, we've looked at some individual lies, and, and uh, today we're going to look at a lie that I believe is, is very common to many of us. But before we look at that, I want to read to you John chapter 8, verse 44, because Jesus even, even tells us who our adversary is, and he tells us that the devil is a liar. I know that uh, that's kind of become a, a saying around here in the last few weeks um, as we've been doing this series, that the devil is a liar. But even Jesus actually coined that phrase. Did you know that? John 8, chapter 44, Jesus said this. He says, he, he's speaking of the devil, has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, not if he lies, but when he lies, it is consistent with his character. Watch this. For the devil is a liar. This is Jesus. For he is a liar. And not only is he a liar, but he is the father of lies. So the devil is a liar, and he's lying to all of us, trying to get us to believe things about us, about others, about God that are not true. And so today we're going to look at the lie that says, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. I mean, after all, why should he? Look how bad you are. Look how evil that you've been. Look how you've neglected things that are really important to you. Look how you've uh, made a mess in your life. Why should God love you? God doesn't love you. He loves other people, but he doesn't love you. You're too bad for God to love. I, I think all of us at some point have struggled with this lie. God doesn't love me. And, and all of us really do struggle with it. Some of you are struggling with it this morning. Some of you have recently struggled with it. But, but this lie comes in many different forms. It's not just God doesn't love you. It also is God is mad at me. God is upset at me for the things that I've done. God is out to get me. God wants to punish me. All these things that are going wrong in my life, it's because I've been bad and God is now taking it out on me. Come on, have you ever struggled with that? The, the bad things that are happening is because you haven't been good in your life and now God is he's taking that out on you. God doesn't love you. He's mad at you. He's upset. You've been so bad. He's just... You know, he's like a mean school teacher. He's walking around with this ruler just waiting on you to mess up so he can punish you. That this is the kind of God that we serve. That he doesn't love us. Maybe he once did, but that was back when I was, I was good. <laughs> you know, if we were ever that good. But now, that since I've been bad and done some bad things in my life, he doesn't love me anymore. I think many of us this morning are even struggling with this. Many of us today feel like that God doesn't love us. And, and we feel... And we think this all because of, many times, our feelings tell us that. Our feelings will tell us that God's mad at us. Our feelings will tell us that God doesn't love us. And I told you this point last week, and I want to bring it back to your attention today, that Satan's lies are easy to believe because they always match up with our feelings. 
They always match up with our feelings. When you're feeling like condemned, when you're feeling shameful, that's the enemy's way of trying to get you to see. You, you, God is mad at you. you. Otherwise, you wouldn't feel the way that you feel right now. The reason you're feeling like you're feeling is because what I'm telling you is true. That's what the enemy will say. In other words, the devil will tell you that when you make mistakes, and we all do, that God is mad at you. And that guilt and that shame that you're feeling will make you think that what you're feeling and what you're hearing is true. The devil will tell you that you're alone in your struggle. We talked about this last week. And that no one understands what you're going through. And that loneliness and depression and discouragement that you're feeling will make you think that what he's saying is true. Are y'all hearing me? He will tell you that God is disgusted by your past and that God is mad at you and that God is out to punish you and that fear and that condemnation that you're feeling will make you think that what he's saying is true. But I'm here to tell you today, as Jesus told us, that the devil is what? The devil is a liar and the father of lies. Your feelings are not always indicative of what is true. Right? Because this, the truth is what God says. It's not what your feelings say. And you have to know this because, you have, as we was talking last week, you have to know what is true because your feelings will, will lie to you. Your feelings will make you feel like what the devil is saying is true, but that's not what is true. What you're thinking is not true. What you're feeling is not true. What God says is what is true. It's interesting, I saw one of my pastor friends down in Houston, Texas, he put this on, on Facebook the other day. He said, all it takes for the devil's lies to become your truth is your agreement. That's all it takes. All it takes for the devil's lies to become your truth is your agreement. When you start agreeing with what the enemy's saying. And many times we agree with what he's saying because of what we are feeling. I feel like God wants to punish me. I feel like God doesn't love me. So, so what do we do when we think that God doesn't love us? What do we do when we think that God is mad at us? What do we do when we think that God is out to get us? What do we do when we think that God doesn't care about us? What do we do? What do we do when we think that God doesn't want to hear from us? Have you ever felt that way? You felt just, you know, the, that you couldn't even go to God in prayer because you just all the mistakes that you've made and what you just did earlier that day that God doesn't want to hear from you. He's mad at you. Anybody ever felt that besides me? Just feel, you know, like shame, ashamed. I can't, I can't go to God in prayer. God doesn't want to hear from me. So what do we do? What, what do we do when we think that God is mad at us? Where do we go? How do we fight these feelings? How do we disarm these lies? The same way that we disarm any lie. And that is by knowing what? Knowing the truth. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you need to know the truth. You need to know the truth. Now look at them and say, you're about to hear the truth. You're about to hear the truth. I, I want to take some time this morning. I want to take some time this morning and encourage you with, with some things about God and specifically uh, some truths about how much that God loves you. I, I t and I think every time you leave church, you should be thankful that you came to church. But specifically, this is going to be one of those times where you're like, man, I'm so glad that I went to church today because I am about to really, really encourage you with some truths about God and how he feels for you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Is that okay? Do y'all like to be encouraged? <laughs> 
Some of you are like, what's that? Yeah, I'm about to encourage you. I'm about to tell you how much that God loves you. How many likes to be told that, this, that, that you're loved? I like that. I love it when my wife tells me she loves me. She tells me she loves me all the time. She really does. We send texts to each other almost every day. I love you. And she'll send me a text. I love you, heart, heart, heart. And it just, you know, it just, it's, it's awesome. I, I know she loves me, but I like to hear it. It just, I don't know, just something that's affirming there. And she'll send me texts that, I just want you to know how thankful I am to be married to you, how blessed I am. I realize how good that I have it by being married to you. Okay, maybe, maybe she doesn't say all of that, but she'll, she'll tell me that she loves me. And it feels good. I love to know that I am loved. And I think all of us, deep down inside, we like to know that we're loved. We like to hear those words, I love you. So today, I just felt very impressed by the Lord this week just to really let God love on you in this message, to speak to you and, and let you know that God is not mad at you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've gone through, that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And I want you to be encouraged this morning with how much that He loves you. So that's what I want to speak to you about this morning. So, so I want us to, to, to look at John chapter 3, verse 16. I think all of us are very familiar with the scripture, but I encourage you today, if you have your Bibles, to look at it for yourself, because I want you to lay eyes on it again and just to see how much that God loves you today. Here's what the Bible says. This is what Jesus said. He says, for God so loved the world. Some translations say it like this, that God loved the world so much. Well, how much did he love the world? Here's how much that he loved the world, that he did what? That he gave his one and only son. Why did he do that? So that anyone who would believe in him would not perish. That, that word doesn't just mean to, to physically die. That means to be eternally separated from God. God did this so that no one would have to be eternally separated from him, but they could have eternal life with him. Now, I want you to keep that verse up there for just a few moments. You can't appreciate this verse without recognizing why God did what he did. I mean, most of us could probably quote this verse. You see it on plaques, you see it on, on bumper stickers, you see it on billboards, you see this, this verse everywhere. But I think so many times that we don't really appreciate why God did what he did. How much did God love the world? He loved the world so much that he gave his son. Well, why did he give his son? So that we wouldn't spend eternity in hell. So that we wouldn't be separated from God. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came to this earth. He took on our sins. He died on a cross that we should have died on. He, he was buried in the ground. Three days later, he, he rose and conquered death, hell, and the grave so that anyone who would put their faith and trust in him, they too could conquer death, hell, and the grave and spend eternity with him. That is a loving God that he would do that for you and I. He did all of this because he loves you and me. If I would have been the only one on this earth, he would have done it. If you would have been on the only one on this earth, he still would have done it. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. God truly loves you. He wants to spend eternity with us. That's what that scripture tells us. That, so he did this so that no one would spend eternity without him, but so that we could have eternal life and forever 
be with God, the one who created us. If you take notes this morning, I want to give you and share with you five characteristics of God's love. Five characteristics of God's love. And these are important for you to write down because you're going to be able to look back at these and you're going to be able to see just how, not just how much, but how God loves us. And these are very important. Number one, God's love is unconditional. Everybody say unconditional. God's love is unconditional. You, you know what that means? It means that there's, it's not conditional. <laughs> it means that there's no condition that will change His love for you. There, there's no behavior that you, could, um, that you could be involved in that would change His love for you. His love for you is not dependent upon your conditional behavior. He doesn't just love you when you're good. Doesn't just love you when you're coming to church faithfully. Doesn't just love you when you're giving in the offering. His love for you is unconditional, meaning that it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're currently doing, or even what you will do. God is going to love you anyway. Because His love is unconditional. Watch this. This is so important. His love doesn't change based off of your performance or your behavior. It's not affected by your past. It doesn't matter where you've been. Or what you've done. Or why you did what you did. Or who you did what you did with. Or how long that you did it. His love for you is unconditional. That is so encouraging to hear. That is so uplifting to hear. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse number 8. Watch this. Paul says this. But God demonstrates His own love for us. He doesn't just tell us. He demonstrates His love for us. How did He do it? While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's, that's unconditional love. He wasn't waiting on, you know, 2019 where we started making a commitment, I'm going to get in church. He wasn't waiting on that. While we were still sinners, he knew that we were going to make a mess of our lives. He knew where you would be in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. He knew the choices that you were going to make. He knew how far off track that you were going to get. But he still went to the cross. Because His love for you is unconditional. There is nothing that you can do. Hear me this morning. There is nothing that you can do to make God stop loving you. His love is unconditional. Secondly, very similar to the first one, God's love is everlasting. Everybody say everlasting. This, this is very similar to the first one. Uh, the first one's based off of condition that, that it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, God's going to love you. But here's the good thing about an everlasting love is that God is never going to stop loving you. His love, there's, a, there's several songs, His love never fails. It never runs out. You don't just get, you know, uh, a certain amount of love and then once you've used all that, it's, it's up. God's love is everlasting. He is never going to stop loving you. People will stop loving you. People will give up on you. People will walk away. But God never will. God never will give up. His love is everlasting. Jeremiah 31.3, God says this through the prophet. He says, I have loved you with what kind of a love? Are y'all seeing this? Unending. Eternal. There's no beginning. There's no end. I'm never going to stop loving you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. He has loved us from eternity. And I know for us, we, we live inside of a time capsule. I mean, we're allotted 75 to 90 years, 100 years, whatever. That's time. 
But Genesis 1.1 says what? In the beginning, God was. God existed before. The, he created time. He is outside of time. And that's, that's hard to comprehend. Even, it's even hard for me to comprehend that. But we live inside of time. But God lives outside of time, which means he has loved us from eternity. And he, he will continue to love us throughout all eternity. His love is everlasting. He's never going to call back his love. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when we make mistakes that God doesn't say, oh, okay, I can't love that. Let me retract. He's never going to withdraw it. He's never going to retract it. It's never going to run out. His love is everlasting. Number three, God's love is perfect. It's perfect. The love of God is perfect love. Perfect love. It's not like the love of a human. You, you can search for perfect love in a human relationship, but it, it will fail you. I know that we can have some good love. There can be some really good marriages and we have really good love, but, it, but it, honestly, it's not perfect love. There's going to be flaws. There's going to be disappointments because it's not perfect. Sometimes there's even abuse in a human relationship. And that abuse leads to fear. Fear that, oh, what's going to happen? Fear of punishment. Now, okay, they're, they're mad at me. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And because of how we've experienced human love, we often allow that to, to shape how we perceive God's love. In other words, there's a lot of you maybe that were abused in certain relationships. Maybe it was a um, a husband-wife relationship. Maybe it was a, a parent-to-child relationship. Maybe you were neglected or, 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 or abused. And so there's this, this fear, this, this fear of condemnation, this fear that if you mess up, you're going to get punished. And that carries over to how we perceive a godly love. And there are a lot of people, even people who would even profess to be Christ followers who still struggle with this. They, they see God as this God of punishment who's out to get them. That if I, I make a mistake, oh man, I messed up today. God, God's out to get me. He's mad at me. Well, if I don't do this just right, God is going to be so upset. If I, I, didn't, you know, I didn't do this correctly today, I know that God probably doesn't love me anymore. He's disappointed in me. He's upset. He's angry. And that's what the devil wants you to believe. That God doesn't love you. But part of understanding the love of God is knowing that God's judgment fell upon Jesus at the cross so that we could be spared. Let me show you this verse. Isaiah 53, 6. It says this. All of us. Everybody say all of us. That, that means me. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've all, we've all gotten off track. We have left God's path to do what? To follow our own. This, this really happens in teenage years. You know, you get old enough to start making your own decisions and you just, just want to follow my own path for a while. Watch this. This is so encouraging, so important. Just, and I know this verse, and as I was rereading it this week, it was, just, it was just moving me almost to tears. Watch this. Even though we've strayed away, even though we've forsaken God's path to follow our own, even though that we've strayed like a sheep, yet the Lord laid on him, who is that? On Jesus, the sins of all of us. Put them on Jesus. Why did he do that? So that his son through an act of love, could take all of the punishment for our sin on himself. 
all of our sins, past, present, and future, the punishment for that has all been placed on Jesus. He took the punishment for our sins. So what does that mean? We don't have to fear condemnation. We sing a song, I think we've, we've sung it the last couple of weeks, that I will rise beneath the waters, I will rise. And one of the lines in that verse says, no fear of condemnation, by faith I'm justified. I don't have to fear condemnation. When I, when I mess up, I don't have to, to duck and get under something for fear that God's going to strike me down. Because the punishment for those sins was all laid upon Jesus. He took it for me. Why? So that I could come boldly into the throne room of grace and obtain mercy in my time of need. Right? Y'all remember this. We've talked about this. His love is perfect. So we don't have to fear condemnation. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, speaking of perfect love. The Bible says there is no fear in love. But what kind of love? But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Man, I, just, I hope this encourages someone. The, the devil will convince you that God is out to get you. Some of you may have even struggled coming to church this morning because of maybe something that you've done in your past. The devil wants to, wants to make you think, God doesn't care about you. God's mad at you. Why would you go to church? Church isn't for you. Church is for people who've got it together. Church is for people who stay committed. And he'll lie to you. Some of you, you're, you're hearing that lie right now, that, the, that, that God is mad at you. I just want to tell you, and you've probably heard me say this time and time again, God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. He just wants you to come to Him. He loves you. And His love for you is unconditional. His love for you is everlasting. His love for you is perfect. And fourthly, His love is involved. Everybody say involved. Sadly, in our world, people will say that they love you, but then they won't be there when you need them most. They're, they're not there to, to show that they care when, when you're going through trials or, or persecution. They're not there to console you. They're not there to, to comfort you. They're, they don't really understand everything that you're going through. But not God's love. God's love is involved. He gets right up in the middle of your situation. He gets right up in the middle of your life. God's love is action. He's always there. It's always there. Matter of fact, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always be there. I love how the psalmist David says this in Psalms 139, 7 and 8. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there too. I can't get away from your presence or you're always there. God is always there. Even in your mess, even when you're out making bad decisions, God is always there. And He's always trying to pull you back to Him. I am so thankful that in the years of my life where I went astray and did my own thing, I'm so thankful that God followed me and got involved in my life and was always trying to draw me back to Him. His love is involved. It's never disconnected from your life. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you with an unending love, everlasting. He loves you with a perfect love. And He's involved in your life. No matter where you go, God will always be there. There's nothing that you can do that would separate you from God's love. Is that not encouraging? 
There is nothing that you can do that would separate you from God's love. His love will always be involved in your life. Even when you forsake Him and run away. I, I think about this, this parable of the lost sheep. Many of you know this. Pastor Brad preached on it not too long ago. Um, in, in Luke chapter 15 where, where Jesus is really talking about, He's describing to the religious people because they're complaining that Jesus is hanging out with what they call the scum of the earth. You know, well, they, they don't go to church. Why would you hang out with them? So Jesus is trying to teach these religious people who think they've got it all together how valuable these scum of the earth really are. He's trying to say, there, there is no one that I don't care about. There's no one that I don't love. And he says, even for that, that one that, that strays away, he says, here's how much I love you. I'll leave these 99 right here to go and pursue that one, to bring them back into the fold. And I will rejoice because that one that was lost is now found. God is always passionately pursuing you. If you are here this morning and you have done some things in your life and you feel distant from God, that is a lie from the enemy. Those feelings that you're feeling is he's trying to make you think that God doesn't love you anymore. But I'm here to tell you that God is knocking at your heart door trying to get you to come to him, trying to get you to open up that door and let him come in and embrace you. His love is involved. And lastly, number five, God's love is unearned. I told you earlier that there was nothing that you could do that would make God stop loving you. There's also nothing that you can do to earn God's love. There's, there, there's nothing. Because God doesn't love you based off of conditions, right? He doesn't love you based off of your performance. He doesn't love you based off of how good that you think that you are. He loves you because love is who He is. As a matter of fact, 1 John 4, 8 says this. It says that God is love. You ever, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the fact that God is love means that God cannot, it is impossible for God to not love you. How do I know that? Because He is love. For God to not love me would be for Him to change His identity. So it's impossible for God to not love me. Why? Because God is love. Love is who He is. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But He loves us anyway. <laughs> well, preacher, you don't know what I've done or where I've been. It do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter how bad that you've been or even how good that you think that you are. Because you know, pride can be one of those things to where we think, well, yeah, you know, I, I deserve God's love. Because look at how good I am. I'm a good guy. That's why God loves me. Well, I can see why God doesn't love this person. Man, they're just, they're just mean. They knew I wanted that parking spot, and they took it anyway. Just mean people. No, no, no. God, God doesn't love us based off our performance. God loves you because that is who He is. It's unearned. You cannot earn God's love. Well, Scott, how's that good news for me because I don't feel like God loves me? That's really good news because there's nothing that you can do to earn that. All you've got to do is just embrace it. He's trying to love on you today. He loves you because you're his creation. You're his prized possession. You are the apple of his eye. Well, Pastor, I don't feel that way. I feel like God is mad at me. 
I'm just here to tell you again that your feelings are not always indicative of what is true. God's word is what is true. And God's word is the source of truth. That's, that's what we have to go by. That's why we have, to, we have to, as the Bible says, we have to take every thought captive. If, if that thought is not of God, what do we have to do? We have to cast that down. And then we take captive the thoughts that are from God. Well, how do we know what thoughts are of God? We, we read His Word. Right? You, once again, you, you, may not, you might read something, you may not feel like you know, that, that you got anything out of it, but, 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 you, but you try to apply that to your life and try to, try to apply that to your situation and know that what you're reading that day is truth. God is always trying to tell you that He loves you. Always. Some people say, well, I never hear God tell me that He loves me. He loves you. He's always trying. You've you got to get in His Word to know that He's telling you that. God tells us He loves us through His Word. And He also tells us He loves us through, through um, other people. I, I sh- let me share something with you real quickly. And I'll, I'll, I'll be wrapping this up in just a few moments. Um, we, we did a, um, a session on this in our small group. Some of you that have been attending small groups, you remember this. I think it was two or three sessions ago. Um, um, I believe in God, but I don't always know or always feel like He loves me. Uh, we talked about that and, and how that we, we hear God say that He loves us through His Word and then also through other people. There have been so many times in my life, in my ministry specifically, where I have felt discouraged, where I have felt just, you know, like that I wasn't good enough. Because it's very easy to get your eyes on numbers. It's very easy to get your eyes on what people are saying and and how people are responding and what they're thinking. It's very easy, and that's what the enemy to want, wants us to get us to focus on. And there have been so many times when I've been discouraged, and no one knew, and out of the blue, I get a phone call. One, one that I used to get phone calls from all the time, and I really miss her when I start telling stories like this, was my Granny Finley. Many of you knew her. And she would call me out of the blue and say, Scott, I just want you to know that God knows what you're going through, that God sees this hurt, God sees this pain. And it was, it was God's way of saying, Scott, I love you. I know what you're going through. You're not in this alone. And it wasn't just her. There's been times when other people have spoken a word over my life that was just, it was just God saying, I love you. I love you. You're my creation. You're my child. I have called you. I have appointed you. Yeah, it's not always easy, but I am for you. I'm fighting for you. I love you. God is always saying he loves us. But many times we don't hear it because we're so focused on other things. We, we, we believe the enemy's lies over what God's truth really says. And we have to spend time in His Word so that we can hear God say that He loves us. In John 3.16, and I want to I read this one more time. We, we, we talked about how that God loves us. We talked about the characteristics of God. But John 3.16 not only does it show us how that he proved his love for us by sending his son Jesus, but it also tells us why he did that. So let's look at this one more time. That God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son Jesus. That, watch this, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why did God send his son to the world? To escape, to make, to make provision for us to escape eternal judgment. Now, I've, I've preached you a very encouraging message this morning, how God loves you, but, but I would be doing an injustice to the Word of God if I did not tell you that even though that God loves us, 
we still have to accept His love. We still have to embrace Him as Savior. Because it says here that He loves us so much that He gave us His Son, that if we would believe in Him, that doesn't just mean, oh, I believe in God. That means to put faith in action, to actually make Jesus your Lord, your Master. You're following His way. You're not trying to follow your own way. You're following His way. Then that person is the one who has eternal life. So whatever you're wrestling with this morning and you're, you're thinking that God doesn't love me, I'm here to tell you that God does love you, but He's looking for you to come home. He's looking for you to answer that knock that's at your heart. He's looking for you to answer that call that He's putting out to you this morning. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, today is the day that He's saying, come home. I'm not mad at you. I'm not discouraged. I'm not disappointed. I'm not holding things against you. I love you with an unconditional, everlasting, perfect, I'm involved in your life kind of love. And it's a love that you cannot earn. All you got to do is embrace me and accept me. Amen. That's the way He loves us. I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask our praise team to come up and get prepared. We're going to sing one last song as we get ready to close out this morning. And as they're coming, nobody looking around, I just want you to, to just think about all the lies that the enemy has tried to tell you, all the things that he's whispering in your mind even right now. Maybe some of you were struggling with this as you were getting ready for church this morning, thinking that God doesn't love you. God's mad at you. God's upset. God's disappointed. God is out to get you. God doesn't want to hear from you. I love, there's several times in the book of Psalms where, where, where David said, I cried unto the Lord, and what did the Lord do? He heard my prayer. He heard my cry. I'm just here to tell you, the enemy will convince you that God doesn't want to hear from you. But all you got to do is cry out to him. And he's going to hear your prayer. We're going to sing this song uh, that talks about how much that God loves us. And as we do, I'm going to ask our, our elder team just to come to the front and position yourself for people who, who would like to receive prayer. And we're just going to take a few moments. If you, if you need to connect with God in any way, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you don't feel like you need to come up for any reason, as we sing this song, can we just at least be thankful for how much that God loves us and how He's longing for us to connect with Him in relationship? Can we do that this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand all over the building. I'm going to come down to the front if anybody wants prayer and our elder team come up. And if at any time you want to come and worship and just connect with God and maybe recommit your life to God and let God love on you, these altars are open for you to do that this morning.